0: Although Tom Cruise is the most well-known crusader against psychiatry, the movement originated with Thomas Saz and others. How best can we deal with their ideas and help our patients get the psychiatric care that they may need? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, Director of Foothill Psychiatry in Boise, your host, and with me today is Dr. Michael Cerullo. Dr. Cerullo is Director of University Hospitals Psychiatric Consult Services and assistant professor of psychiatry at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine. Welcome to Reach MD, Dr. Sarula. Thanks for having me. Now, tell us what you mean by anti-psychiatry.
1: Well, the term anti-psychiatry really came out of the '60s, and there was three big intellectuals that really pushed this, and that was Foucault in France, Thomas Zaz in the U.S., and then Artie Lang in the United Kingdom, and. Really what I think the term means is it's a struggle to figure out how or who controls people with mental illness. Do we look at that as an existential issue, as a sociological issue, or as a medical issue? And, of course, these three intellectuals wanted to look at it as not a medical issue but something else. And I think that's really where the term came from.
0: Well, certainly in more recent years, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but at our APA, the American Psychiatric Association, depending on the city where it's held every year, we're often greeted with protesters and people really seemingly hating us. Uh, Uh, Yeah, it seems like that sometimes. What creates such emotion? Well, in the 60s, I think
1: it was part of the anti-establishment movement. Originally, some of the patient reform groups adopted some of these thoughts, but then you know, I think the goal of these former patients was actually to get help, and that led to the consumer movement and actually reforms in psychiatry. So in the end, that was a good thing. But as you said, there still seems to be a very strong mistrust of psychiatrists out there. And I think there are a lot of reasons. You know, the one extreme is Scientology, which it's just part of their actual religious dogma to mistrust or be against psychiatrists. But I think a lot more, it's still some of the older views of psychiatry as a weakness you know, that it's really a character issue that people you know just aren't doing what they can to help themselves so I think that's probably the most common at least among today's intellectuals that are repeating some of this rhetoric
0: you know it's hard for me to even understand that so these people think that mental illness just doesn't exist that patients are somehow choosing to have problems
1: The original founders that's really what it was that it wasn't an illness it was more of an existential question, or it was just a matter of power or social control. That was the original anti-psychiatry views. Today, it's a little more subtle, because you really can't get away with that, and I think it's been actually kind of relieving to find how the public reacted to Tom Cruise, and I think people really, for the most part, didn't tolerate that strong, you know, psychiatry-doesn't-exist rhetoric. But today, it's a little more subtle, and I think people really mistrust psychiatry going a little bit more of a roundabout way now, instead of challenging the existence of psychiatry, they maybe challenge our motives or you know, our science. And so people are really now challenging medications mm-hmm. as a way to I think mistrust psychiatry.
0: And what do the anti psychiatry proponents have to say about medicines like SSRIs, for example? SSRIs
1: are interesting because I think really a lot of this really came about this some of these newer what I consider anti psychiatry rhetoric around the time of Prozac, the first SSRI that was introduced. And people started to see that, you know, as, these, as the antidepressants became more common, people started to think that we were using these not to treat depression, but these were just mood brighteners or happy pills that we were giving to people who just couldn't, you know, suck it up and deal with what they had going on. And I think that's kind of a, actually became a myth that really got passed around. And Peter Kramer actually wrote a book in 93 called Listening to Prozac. And Peter Kramer's a psychiatrist. And when he wrote that book, it was an interesting question to whether in certain patients, if you give them Prozac or an SSRI, is it changing their temperament? Is it changing their personality and their character? So it really is doing more than treating depression. And I think that was an interesting question in 1993, but I think since then the evidence is clear that really what the patients he was seeing really had pretty severe anxiety and depression, and that was what was being treated. And so if you treat that, then sometimes you know, it appears that people have it and their life really changes. People have looked at specifically changes in personality, and there's no reason to think that these medicines are doing anything but treating depression and anxiety.
0: Right. And so Peter's whole concept of cosmetic psychopharmacology, those of us that practice just typically don't see that.
1: Yeah, that's what he labeled it, that we're doing something cosmetic that we are, and the main thing was temperament. You get someone that's with depression and anxiety, and they seem to be shy and not functioning. And after you treat the depression, it's amazing how well people will do. And then Peter Kramer wrote about this, and I've actually seen this in my own practice. People will say that the medicines actually let them be themselves, the people who they thought they should be. Mm -hmm. I think that was because they were treating, people are so inhibited by depression and anxiety, they really couldn't be who they wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I think that's really what's going on.
0: So it's more perhaps uncovering their sort of dormant personality as opposed to creating a new one.
1: Yeah, just the people, if you're so inhibited by depression and anxiety, it's really hard to function. And one of Kramer's cases, he talks about it in his book, was a patient named Sally. And after she was treated, she did better at work and did better in relationships. And I think you can all trace that to treatment of depression.
0: But don't the opponents say that that's somehow an unfair advantage, that it's like, uh, you know, mental performance enhancers, that it's not fair that she does better at work on medication?
1: That's what people want to say. They want to link it to, like, performance and, like, steroids and, you know, sports. They want to think that, that someone is cheating by taking antidepressant. But really among psychiatrists and people I've talked to in my own practice, you really don't see that. I mean, people come in and they are really disabled because of depression and anxiety and that's what we treat.
0: If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Reach MD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Michael Cerullo. We are discussing the anti-psychiatry movement. Now, Dr. Cerullo, have these beliefs, these anti-psychiatric medicine beliefs filtered into the government?
1: The myth of cosmetic psychopharmacology and that SSRIs are mood brighteners, and they do more than treat depression, has actually filtered in quite a lot of different places, and it's very popular in academic circles and the humanities. And in particular, President Bush formed a council on bioethics that was originally in 2001 to look at stem cells. And then in 2003, they looked at enhancement technologies, and part of what they looked at was actually antidepressants. And they actually had a publication from their meeting called Beyond Therapy. if you read that publication, they really take that myth as fact. And, of course, if you believe that, if you believe SSRIs are changing people's temperament and mood brighteners, then you're going to be pretty weary of antidepressants and some of the things that psychiatrists are doing. So I think that really did have a negative impact. And, you know, this was a publication to advise, you know, Congress about medications. And so I do worry that this myth has really gotten beyond just a few intellectuals.
0: Didn't they also claim that meds such as SSRIs were abusable?
1: Yeah, they actually also filtered in there as well that you know, SSRIs were compared to things like amphetamines and, and street drugs, and that's you know, there really is no evidence at all for that.
0: Well, and I have to say, after doing this for a couple decades now, I can't say that I've ever seen a patient who actually abused their SSRIs. Have you?
1: I've never seen a patient that was abusing SSRIs or they had to be treated for it, and I, I'm certainly sure that people have tried (laughs) right (laughs) you know there is actually a street value to just about any medication including antidepressants and i've seen patients who bought these medicines off the street but what they were doing is actually they were treating their own depression they were savvy enough that they felt like they needed an antidepressant and so that's what they were buying them for
0: yeah, I have as well. You know, the most popular case that I can think of are the ravers who take ecstasy and sort of the street lore is if you take a Prozac with your ecstasy, you won't have a problem with the crash. But again, they are self-medicating. They're not you know, looking to enhance themselves with the SSRI.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: So, what can we do as practicing physicians? How can we counter these arguments against psychiatry and ensure that patients get the help they need?
1: Well, I think there's a couple of things we can do. But one is be familiar with some of these arguments. You know, pay attention to the news, check out some of the books out there, because your patients are reading them. You know, almost on a weekly basis, I'll have a patient is just will tell me, like, oh, you know, these medicines are dangerous, or I don't trust them. And I'll sit down and I'll ask them, well, what have you heard? What are your concerns? And I'll be able to address that because I'm, I'm familiar with some of these books and some of these claims. And so I think you need to be aware of it. I think we all need to be advocates for our patients. When these things come out, we need to speak out, especially when something like uh, Tom Cruise, when he's being very vocal, I think we all need to counter these claims and you know really be advocates for our patients. And then a final thing is I think we all need to practice as ethical medicine as we can. And when there are real issues in the public about mistrust of our dealing with pharmacology industry, I think we need to be really careful and very ethical in our dealings so that these things can't be used
0: against us. Great. Well, thank you for being on the show today. My pleasure. We've been discussing anti-psychiatry with our guest today, Dr. Michael Cerullo of the University of Cincinnati School of Medicine. I'm Dr. Leslie Lent. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you easy access to our entire program library. Thank you for listening.